Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 173, the top 10 most anticipated films of 2024. The hype is on the 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film-related discussion. And here we are in the first week of 2024. I hope you guys have had a nice little transition into the new year, and I hope that you're looking forward to a bunch of new films on the horizon. Now, we're in this weird and interesting place with films where there are a bunch of films that were delayed because of the actors and writers' strike which, you know, pushed them from 2023 to 2024. But then we also have a bunch of new films that will be showing up in this year. And obviously, because this is the start of the year, there is always that period where you're looking towards the horizon of films, especially towards the latter side of the year. But there's a bunch of things that probably won't get announced until we're at least maybe three, four, maybe even five months into the year. So I'm very curious to see what all that stuff is going to look like. Plus, there's a bunch of films right now that, especially I'm looking forward to, that don't even have trailers, that don't even have any proper form of marketing material yet. So, you know, I find some of those films to be even more interesting than some of the ones that already have, like, trailers or posters and that kind of thing. But I guess we'll see what happens. But as you can tell by the title of this episode and what you heard at the start of the episode, this is my top 10 most anticipated films of this year. And while some of them will be blatantly obvious, some, I think, are... A little bit more under the radar that I want to bring a little bit of attention to. Um, I will admit, most of the entries on this list, sort of, uh, I'd say that maybe the top five are the most ones I'm like primarily paying attention to, but the other ones are just like, I can see the potential, but they're not really as elevated as everything else. But I would say, yeah, I'm curious. I'm very curious about like, you know, as the entries from six onwards, but like one through five, ooh, so hype. So yeah, as we do, we'll go from 10 to 1, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. So without further ado, let's jump in. Alright, at number 10 we have Civil War, the upcoming film from Alex Garland, produced by A24. And this one seems to be pretty interesting in the sense that, ooh, it seems to have drummed up a little bit of controversy since the uh, first trailer came out as it's a film set in the near future where it follows some journalists trying to get through the United States during a civil war that's escalating and causing all sorts of chaos. And I know there was like some talk online about the level of realism that went into the politics and the uh, states that decided to either side with each other or fall against other people. I don't know the specifics because, you know, I'm not American and I don't tend to get into the minutiae of politics and like, you know, is it what states are like, you know, winning against other ones. But I do think it's an interesting concept. And as a film, watching the trailer only very recently, it seems like a very different kind of uh, film from what we've seen from Alex Garland before, because while he's obviously written some very interesting films before with Danny Boyle, including a couple of my favorites in the form of Sunshine and 28 Days Later, he's also directed a couple of my favorite films in the last like 10 years in the form of Ex Machina and Annihilation. 
So this seems like a very different uh, direction for him in terms of its tone. It seems a little bit more palatable, a little bit more, I wouldn't say straightforward, but, you know, with his films, especially uh, if you saw Men last year, which was just, that was something else. Uh, his films tend to get a little weird, a little bit more thought-provoking, sometimes leave you with uh, more questions than answers, sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a way where you're just like, what did I just watch? Um, but he is never boring. But yeah, this film seems pretty cool. I like the cast involved. Um, this will be the first film I've seen Kirsten Dunst in for a while. And that's not so much due to me not liking her. I like her quite a lot as an actress. It's just that I guess I haven't really seen any films with her that has enticed me since 2016. The last films that I saw with her, I want to say it was Midnight Special. Yeah, Midnight Special and uh, Hidden Figures. And I liked her in both of those films, but this is the first film I've seen her in for a while where she's the uh, part of the main cast. And I'm very curious to see what she's going to do with it. And um, yeah, having Nick Offerman as the president, as soon as his voice showed up in that clip, I'm like, hey, it's my dude. But yeah, this looks very large scale. I'm liking the look of the way this film is uh, being crafted. It looks very epic, very dramatic, good lighting, very good camera work, and just again, I'm liking the sense of scale to everything. So, uh, yeah, I'm very curious to see how this one turns out. Next up at number nine, we have Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Now, I was quite a fan of Ghostbusters Afterlife in 2021. It felt like a return to form for the franchise, and it allowed us to get reacquainted with the original cast, but also allowed us to get attached to this new cast that established themselves as the new members that we'll be following into a sequel. And I do feel like that film had its heart in the right place and there was some really fun references to the original film but at the same time the film really overdid it with its references to the original film to the point where we were rehashing elements from the original wholeheartedly except just with a new coat of paint and I'm just like yo man you're better than that we don't have to basically redo the damn first film again it's been years give us a little bit of variation. But with Frozen Empire, it does feel like we're actually stepping forward and getting something new. It seems a little bit more deadly, a little bit more dark, and I wouldn't say like, you know, crazy dark, but the concept of there being this like new force that could just freeze everybody to death just seems, you know, a little bit more sinister than what we got before. But it's nice that again, we're seeing this new cast, but also having the original Ghostbusters being as part of the film to, you know, allow their expertise to be passed on to these new people and uh yeah man the trailer looks like fun i'm very curious to see how this turns out all right and at number eight we have ballerina this is a spin-off of the john wick film series and i'm quite curious about this i remember when it was announced and i was just like uh, you know a spin-off those can go one of two ways but when it was anna de Armas that was announced to be the titular character i was like okay you know what this could work I like Anna de Armas as an actress. She seems to be diversifying her content with every new film that she does. And after seeing her in No Time to Die, she handled her action scenes pretty well in that film. So I was like, you know what? I feel like I am confident that she'll be able to handle an action film on her own. Well, obviously she won't be on her own, but like, you know, as a uh, as a titular character running around, like, you know, as a kicking ass, she proved that she's capable in the last Bond film. So I'm pretty sure she'll do well here. And I'm curious to see what this film is going to be like. I like the premise. It seems like another tale of revenge, which is always fun. And we have the returning cast members from the John Wick universe, including Angelica Houston, Ian McShane, Keanu Reeves, and 
my boy Lance Reddick. This will be the last time we'll actually see him in film, which is sad, but, oh, man. It was always, it's always fun to see Reddick in any material where he shows up. And, yeah, man, I'm just curious to see what this is going to be like. So I'm hoping this will be another good continuation for this franchise. I am concerned about Len Wiseman, who's the director of this film, because he directed the first two Underworld films, which I think they have their audience, but I've never really been interested in those, so I can't really speak to the quality of that. He directed, I believe it was live free or die hard which i think was decent but i don't remember it being as good as the die hard films that preceded it and then he also did the uh, total recall film from 2012 which i did not like that film at all so uh yeah i'm hoping that chad stileski and like his crew are gonna have enough of a uh, influence on him in terms of crafting this film because the john wick universe has a very fun kinetic energy to it with stories that are simple yet effective but also have cool world building and mythology to it so i'm hoping that will extend to this spin-off and number seven we have mickey 17 the upcoming sci-fi film from bong jun ho and this one sounds pretty interesting it's based on a sci-fi novel which follows the story of mickey 17 someone dubbed an expendable who is a employee sent on human expedition to colonize the ice world of niflheim after one iteration dies, a new body is regenerated with most of his memories intact. And if that premise sounds a little familiar, there's this film from 2009 called Moon that Sam, that Sam Rockwell was in. Um, and I guess that's why I was like intrigued by like the concept because like, you know, Moon is a great film. But this is obviously having like a slightly different like version of that story. So I'm curious to see how it pans out. But yeah, the main reasons I'm interested in this film beyond the premise is that I like Bong Joon-ho. Um, after I saw Okja, and especially after I saw Parasite, I'm like, yo, okay. I'm curious to see whatever this guy makes. So I'm hoping that this one is going to be another banger. But also because of the cast involved, you have Robert Pattinson, Steven Yeun, Naomi Aoki, Tony Collette, and Mark Ruffalo as the primary cast. And that's a pretty solid cast to have for this film. So I'm very curious to see what he's going to bring to this uh, new film. And I'm hoping that it's going to be another banger. Alright, at number 6 we have Nosferatu, another remake of the 1922 film which is being directed by Robert Eggers. Now, I've heard a lot of talk about this film online for like the past year and while I'm obviously intrigued, I was never really like, oh yeah, this is definitely one of my most anticipated films of like 2024, but as the cast came along and more like little minor details were spread about this film, I'm like, okay, you know what? You have my attention, Mr. Eggers. Let's see what's going on. With Bill Skarsgård playing the titular character, oh my gosh, that is some good casting. And then you have Nicholas Holt, Lily Rose Depp, Aaron Taylor Johnson, and Willem Dafoe, Emma Corrin. Yo, this could be some hype stuff. So yeah, I'm very curious to see what this is going to be like. With the exception of The Lighthouse, I have seen Robert Eggers' other material and I have loved what I've seen. He always brings a very dark, morose, uncomfortable, weird, yet intriguing nature to most of the stuff that he does. So I'm very curious to see what this is going to be like. If anyone could make a new version of Nosferatu and give it a unique spin, I'm trusting Eggers to do it. So I'm hoping that this is going to be good. All right, stepping into the top five now, we have Deadpool 3 as my fifth entry. And yeah, Deadpool 3 has a lot 
riding on it at the moment because there is a lot of hype a lot of speculation a lot of rumors some proving to be true some that are super far out there but i think there's a lot of comic book fans literally placing their bets on this being one of the greatest films of all time and yeah <laughs> i do not want to be the people behind this film trying to please that audience at the moment because yeah deadpool 3 oh besides like the short little teaser trailer thing which basically just announced that Hugh Jackman was coming back to play Wolverine for one more ride and then obviously having that first official picture of Wolverine and Deadpool walking beside each other in some sort of open field slash desert kind of like location with comic book accurate costumes for the both of them I'm like oh this looks so hype so yeah there's a lot of promise for a lot of hype and plus this is the first Deadpool film that'll be part of the MCU as well so everyone's curious to see if they're going to continue to have the same tone and vibe of the previous ones being you know dark violent and kind of rude um, but also seeing how that's going to you know tie into the MCU or if it's going to be its own sort of singular thing people saying that there might be time travel and or bloody multiverse shenanigans so there's there's a lot of things up in the air right now and there's so many rumors about people coming back who are reprising roles from films back in the 2000s the speculation is going crazy and i'm hoping that this film is not going to be like some sort of crazy cameo fest that there is a plot that has substance but can also facilitate really fun fan service for people involved because yeah man i mean like deadpool i like him as a character i've been a fan of his since like the mid 2000s and while i like ryan reynolds interpretation of the character i do feel like he is a little bit more simplified from the comic book version that does have a little bit more substance to him and deadpool as time has gone on at least the ryan reynolds interpretation of him feels just like the funny happy-go-lucky exaggerated version of who ryan reynolds is in most of his films so i'm hoping that the introduction of hugh jackman's wolverine along with the other cast members will be able to change things up a little bit and because ryan reynolds has worked with sean levy the new director of this film hopefully their experience together working on their previous two films will translate to making a pretty good film by all accounts they seem to be enjoying the process of making this film in like their interviews so i'm hoping that we're going to get something cool but we'll see all right and at number four we have furiosa a mad max saga this is obviously a spin-off slash prequel to mad max fury road one of the most highly regarded and most beloved films of the last 10 years and yeah man i have been sort of curious about this new entry in the mad max series but not stupidly excited because spin-offs and prequels are less intriguing to me than going forward in time and seeing where we can go with this franchise going ahead and i think a lot of people were taken with charlie steron's like version of fury rosa and we was hoping to see what would happen with her character going ahead but instead we're going backwards in time and obviously with anya taylor joy being the uh, character this time around She's pretty popular. She's pretty good at what she does. So, yeah, I think there were some people that were disappointed at first, but, you know, they sort of got over it because it would be another film for us to see with George Miller at the helm. And that first trailer, when it dropped, like, a little while ago, the internet lost his damn mind. They were just like, oh, Miller's back to save cinema again. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there were many people saying that, but with the amount of buzz going on within my film circle of friends, but also just online in general, I think a lot of people were looking forward to this. And the trailer was pretty hype, I will admit. Um, 
I don't think it looks as dirty and as gritty as like the uh, last Mad Max film, but maybe because it's a prequel, it looks a little cleaner. I'm not too sure. But yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy looks pretty good at Furiosa. Seeing Chris Hemsworth as this new warlord dude with the prosthetics and stuff, he looks crazy. I'm enjoying this. So yeah, it looks the part. It looks like it could be fun. I'm very curious to see how it's going to turn out. Uh, obviously, Junkie XL is coming back to work on the music, which is great. So yeah, I'm I'm curiously optimistic. I know I should be like hyped as hell because obviously everyone loves Fury Road. And I like the film quite a bit, but I guess I'm in the camp where I didn't like, you know, the film didn't blow my mind the same way that it did for everybody else. I feel sort of similar with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight, where I like the film quite a bit. And there's elements of it that I think are brilliant, but I wouldn't consider it like this God tier film that descended from the heavens to save my soul. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm very curious to see how this film is going to turn out. All right, and now we get to number three, and this is where things get pretty hype for me. At number three, we have Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the newest entry in this newer series of ape films. And my gosh, there is just... I, I really want this film to succeed, but there are a few potential flags of concern that are floating around in the air. So this film is set like 300 years since the end of War for the Planet of the Apes. We have a whole new set of apes to follow, and we have just this interesting premise now where things are looking a little bit closer to the original trilogy of films where the apes are on top, humans are basically, you know, was it running around as the less dominant species on the planet? They're getting chased, captured, prodded, and it just looks so cool. The visuals of this film look incredible, it looks vast and crazy, and I just hope that we're able to still be able to get those rich, deep character-based connections that we're able to get from these ape-like characters, but also be able to bring the series forward in a way that still feels like it has the same vibes as the previous films, because Rise of the Planet Gates is one of my favorites, Dawn of the Planet Gates is amazing, and I know there's some people that weren't as hyped for War for the Planet Gates, but I still feel like it had the character material necessary to make that film work and yeah i think my main concern right now is west bull who's the director of this film he is the man behind the maze runner films and i quite like the first film the second film was decent and the third one was not as good but i felt like those were a solid set of films but his handling of this film is going to be very very interesting because he has been tapped to be the director of the new upcoming live action zelda film so if this film works this makes that new Zelda film, it just makes me feel like, okay, it's actually in safer hands. But if this film isn't as good, oh, the concerns are going to be going just a little bit higher. But yeah, that trailer for uh, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes looks pretty hype, so I am praying that things work out. All right, and now we're at number two. And if you know what kind of guy I am, you know why this film is here. But at number two, we have Sonic the Hedgehog 3, once again directed by Jeff Fowler. Now, the hype for this film I have been feeling since the post credit scene in Sonic 2 has been ridiculous. The introduction of Shadow the Hedgehog, who debuted in Sonic Adventure 2, who is a fan favorite. Ooh, the, the, the possibilities, the endless possibilities. Ooh, so hype. If they are able to give us Sonic Adventure 2 in live action as a film format, damn, it'll be so hype. But there is also so many concerns because Shadow's backstory involves a lot of pain, suffering, and death. 
And I don't know if they're going to find a way to mitigate that or actually have the balls to pull it off in a way that feels satisfactory to the source material. But yeah, these Sonic films have been pretty fun. I like the first film. I like the second film quite a bit. I think both films have strengths and weaknesses. I feel like the first one was, you know, more straightforward and was a simple, nice little buddy road trip film between like a, a human and like, you know, an anthropomorphic character. Whereas the second film was a little bit more complicated, but had way more like video game elements and the introduction of Knuckles was great. So yeah, I hope that this film is able to find a way to borrow those elements from Adventure 2, create a cohesive narrative that furthers the journey of Sonic as a character, but also introduces like all these extra video game elements. And for the love of Christ, put some of the video game music in the movie, please. That's the one thing that the Mario film has over Sonic right now. Sonic hasn't put any of those damn video game songs in there besides like that tiny piece of Green Hill with the first film. We need all those video game sounds, man. And give us some Crush 40 for crying out loud. It will be hype as hell, but we'll see. And then at number one, my most anticipated film for this year is Dune Part 2. Now, I was supposed to have Dune Part 2 at the last side of 2023, but because of the writers and actors strike, a bunch of films got pushed out of their initial release windows into 2023 and I was devastated. Alongside Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 and John Wick Chapter 4, Dune Part 2 was literally just at the highest point of my list. I'm like, I love Dune. That was one of my favorite films of that year. So to be able to get Dune Part 2 so soon afterwards, I was like, yep, I'm ready. Denis Villeneuve is a really good director. And after seeing that first trailer, I'm like, yeah, you sold me, I'm in, give me, give me. But then I had to wait more time and I'm like, oh, the world is cruel and it's just not fair. But yeah, I can't wait to see what's going on with this because I know for a lot of people, June was a little devoid of uh, characters who had depth and personality and it felt a little slow and probably didn't have as much intricate details as certain other sci-fi fantasy films that have come like, you know, was it before it? But I was quite taken with the vibe, the look of the world, its film score, and like I quite liked the uh, the cast. I just found that there was a lot of intriguing elements in there. Although the film just ended in a way where it just felt like, okay, this was more set up for what was going to come afterwards. But it feels like Doom Part 2 seems to be addressing a lot with a lot more interesting characters, a little bit more warring factions, more interesting costume designs, more chaos and action. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is going to be hype as hell. And Greg Frazier, he did a great job with the uh, cinematography in the previous film, so I can't wait to see what he's going to do with this one. And uh, Hans Zimmer is coming back again to do the film score, so I can only imagine how fun and weird the sound of this film is going to be. So yeah, Doom Part 2, I'm hype, baby. Just give it to me, man. Two months cannot fly by quick enough. I need my damn movie now. All right, and that is my top 10 most anticipated films of the year listed there. I know this episode went on a little longer than I expected, but I guess I had more to say on certain films than I expected. But yeah, let me know what your top 10 most anticipated films are of the year 
were they in this list or are they different let me know in the comment section below or hit me up on twitter where i'm at hypersonic 55 or at film focus 55 check out the podcast on soundcloud itunes spotify and other places where podcasts can be found and yeah i guess that'll be it for another episode of film focus thank you for listening as always ladies and gentlemen until the next time this is the hypersonic 55 signing out peace Thank you.